I'm Elise Kennedy, and welcome to Jardin's Startup Tech Series, where we host entrepreneurs, venture funds, and companies on trends that are happening across the industry. Today, I'm delighted to be joined by Paul Wiltshire, the CEO of the music disruptor Song Trader. So, Paul, we haven't come across yet a music platform in Australia. So, we're really excited to hear about what does Song Trader do. So, Song Trader was formed initially to be a marketplace. So, on one side of the marketplace are rights holders who create music, so or own music. So, they range from songwriters to artists to labels to publishers, anyone who owns and controls or creates music. And on the other side of the marketplace is a B2B audience of music or, or content creators who use music. So they range from advertisers to brands, to films, to TV, to gaming, to right down to independent filmmakers, freelance media creators, YouTubers. It's an expanding world. And every day we see new, new verticals uh, opening up. And uh, from there, we, we've expanded the business to be an ecosystem and it's a b2b music rights mm -hmm. ecosystem and marketplace today and you know through our journey we've learned uh, the importance of customer segmentation and and so a brand is very different to say the creator class the, the youtuber influencer type user have these very different requirements and very different uh, expectations so we've since developed products to serve each of those users okay that's interesting can you give an example perhaps of one of those customers and practice application. So I think a common one, what might be someone who is a YouTube influencer has 10 million subscribers and wants to use music, wants to have an easy experience finding, locating cool music that they can upload to their videos that they create and don't have mm -hmm. any copyright or takedown issues that can happen if you don't go through a normal licensing process. Kind of one example. And then where a brand yeah. has an entirely different experience. So a brand often wants, the needs a, a great compliance. So in, they have to trust that they've got the right rights. They, uh, the requirements in terms of their music is much more broader. So they may be creating a med all media type uh, advertising campaign. So it might be on TV, it might be on radio, it might be on all the online channels as well. So it's a very different user experience and its choice of music has to be very carefully curated so that it's right on brand. It's connecting with the audience they're trying to reach where the YouTuber has a much sort of faster moving environment. So quite different experience. Yeah, great. And what is the revenue and the pricing model? How do we think about that side of the business? So the way to think of our business is as we have three key audiences. So on one side, we have or one circle, if you like, is artists and creators of music and owners of music. And then we have brands and then we have influences. So pricing is very different in each category. So from an artist's perspective, provide a service that allows them to distribute their music to Spotify and Apple and to then enter our licensing network. They get access to all of our various licensing products and our music for brands footprint. And so this is all income that we collect for the artists. So we take a share of the artist's income. So one of our revenue types is royalty-based. Another type of our revenue is transactional, where we it consists of license fees generally. That's a mix of reoccurring and uh, intermittent and contracted. And then our third type of revenue also subscription-based. And we have uh, subscription products in each of our technologies. Oh, just lost your oh, there we go. And perhaps you can talk about how do you reach these 
customers or do they come to you? What is that go-to-market strategy? So it's a different strategy for each. So artists find us very much organically. We've built a global brand in the, the music community. So um, we're quite easy to find. So we have artists signing up all day long, seven days, you know, seven, 24 seven. Okay. We do have different strategies around paid media and industry type media that, that mm-hmm. also yeah, informs them of um, new products and, and the ecosystem that they enter into and what they can benefit from. On the brand side, that's very much a it's sales team driven. So we have uh, sales teams all over the world in Los Angeles, in New York, in London, Paris, Hamburg, shortly in some other territories uh, through an acquisition in APAC as well in Sydney, as well as Singapore. And so that's very much driven by human human sales team acquiring global blue chip customers. And then our SaaS products are very much driven generally by paid media, we find is is very effective. Sorry, Elise, you're just cutting out a little there. Perhaps you can talk us through as well, well, the industry. And, you know, it sounds as though you're in quite a few different countries and, and continually growing into even more. How do we think about the size of your market and how those markets are growing? So the way to think about our industry and song traders, I guess, addressable market is that we are the B, we're focused on the B2B industry. And so go back a step, the, the whole music industry has changed completely over the last 10 years in particular with the uh, the streaming revolution, if you like, go through Spotify and Apple building technologies and solving the way consumption or consume, the way consumers get their music. The B2B music industry is quite fragmented and in a sense, it, it's somewhat behind, I would say five to 10 years behind behind really adopting technology to solve Mm. the the inefficiencies, the data, bad data problems. And so the the addressable market is quite significant because we are at the heart of all of the type of activity that happens in the industry. So for example, we're in between artists getting onto Spotify. We're in that uh, supply chain, the streaming supply chain, but we're also in all of the other verticals. So we sit in between film and music supply, TV and music supply, gaming and, and music supply. TikTok is is a a great client of ours. And so we supply bespoke uh, license or or blanket licenses to them to help their audience. We also work in other verticals like YouTube and it's very similar to to TikTok, but also in the live streaming space. We recently made an an acquisition for a company called Pretzel and it delivers music to live streamers on Twitch. And so what we're seeing is the addressable market keeps on expanding, really only limited by technology, the limitations of technology. And we're starting all of our consumption habits are continuing change and uh, watching it through the eyes of my kids is interesting too and quite handy having teenage boys because they I see what their habit and I, I often go to my son and say what, what are you doing he's just looking I'm just on TikTok I right. know right and, you, and you, even Spotify feels sometimes you know everyone's on YouTube <laughs> I am curious because you've got some you know massive customers TikToks YouTube the rest of the old guys how do we think then about how do you keep growing is it more the content that's being used in there is it more the artist side can you think about how much share you've got today and then thinking about where does that growth of the town come from? So, I mean, the Goldman Sachs have done a lot of studies on the actual size of the market and where it is today and where it will be in 10 years. And I think it's circa 130 billion US dollars in terms of 10 years from now. Where we're at today, really, we represent a very small part of that. And so there's a lot, we've got a lot of work to do to continue growing, but we're focused on brands as a kind of key element to the flywheel, also for influencers and artists. And so we focused on artists first. And so we created this huge community of artists that use mm. Song Creator. There's, I think there's over 600,000 now, maybe more than that, and, and providing them services. And so we have to, we're meeting the forces, if you like, of there's proliferation in content creation and music creation. And then there's pro- 
proliferation in content creation in terms of visual content that needs music. And so they're both expanding. Mm. And so we're meeting those, connecting those industries together within our ecosystem. In terms of the piece of the pie we have today, it's small. You know, it, there's a lot of growth ahead of us. And, you know, the, I guess that's the exciting part. Yeah, you main competitors. And are there any listed stocks we can compare to? I think I caught the last part of that, which was, is there any listed stocks? It's difficult to find a comp in the public markets and even private markets. There are competitors on either side of our marketplace. So there is, you know, it's definitely great companies that provide artist services. And there's great companies that work in the music for brand space and the music for influencers space. But there isn't a company that's doing that all together as an ecosystem. And so it does make us quite unique. I think an interesting comp to look at coming up, I believe there's a company called Believe. They have some similarities. Believe is a French business that's planning to list, I believe, in the next uh, six to 12 months. One can look at the sector like Spotify and, and Warner and can draw mm. can sort of draw similarities, but it is very difficult to create a, a neat comp. I haven't found one yet. Yeah, that is often common with a few of the stocks in, the, in our landscape too. I'm curious, how do you differentiate versus some of your peers that are, might be doing something similar, not exactly the same? What do you find is your value proposition to a lot of the, the artists and the different uh, platforms that you have? For artists, we definitely uh, differentiate ourselves by cre- not only doing standard services, which our competitors do, like distribution of their music to streaming platforms, collection of royalties. But we mm-hmm. add to that a licensing network. So it's one of the hardest things for to get access to is the getting their music into use in film and TV and advertising. It's a very difficult mm-hmm. market to get into. And it was really the original core problem that we set out to solve. I, my background is I used to be a songwriter and record producer. And so in my past life, I, I lived in Australia and worked with lots of local talent there. And it was just, it was a common theme. It's like, oh, how do you get track mm-hmm. into American TV shows? It's like, well, probably have to get on a plane and go and meet someone and take them out for lunch. And so that was kind of the old model. And that was, there was a lot of gatekeepers. So you know, really the differentiation mm-hmm. is breaking mm-hmm. down those walls, removing the intermediaries and being that technology that connects those classes together. And is it hard for your business to be replicated? What are those barriers to entry? I guess that's a question that I was more fearful of a few years ago than I am today. We've okay. built up, and I don't, I don't mean that in a kind of uh, arrogant way at all. It's just built a footprint in particular particularly the music for brands footprint, which is very defensible. And in terms of our, we've been very much a tech company and most of our competitors in the music space tend to be music companies not tech companies and so we've really built technologies and a team and a global team that that is scaling and able to deliver innovative new solutions that really are, i believe we're at the forefront of this b2b change and so i think that's where we really the two there's probably three key things that makes us different one is the, mm-hmm. the technology first focus to the music for brands footprint and thirdly we approach this in a very agnostic way so we wanted to build our ecosystem to be compatible with the entire ecosystem so that we could grow with the industry. We're not limited by the amount of music we represent, for example. We're not limited by a catalogue. So unlike the rest of the industry, which is very much focuses on the catalogue it owns and controls, we're like a skin. We can have all catalogues participating and we represent so many different catalogues in different ways. So building Mm. that agnostic layer was a key component to our design. A question that's come in is, is what's the company's relationship with the label? And do you have more success with, say, independent artists than the, say, big four labels? So it's a mix. So, you know, the SongTrader platform, uh, the songtrader.com platform, it's very much independent artist driven. There's small to med- medium sized labels that use the platform as well. Uh, but our music for brand space, mm-hmm. we, we work with the labels to license you know, mainstream iconic tracks for, for major 
brands as well. So that is largely today a manual transaction that we sit in between. However, the technologies that we're mm -hmm. developing are slowly transforming that to complete tech-enabled solutions. So we work with the entire industry. Song Trader platform, if you go there and search, or if you go to, there is a new platform. We haven't officially done a press release about it. It's in beta. It's called filter.one, B-I-L-T-E-R.1. Mm -hmm. And it's our music for influencer community. So it's a really cool, sort of easy to use for if you're a YouTuber or, or a social media uh, content creator just to download music, put in your content. It's a different experience. And so we work with different labels mm -hmm. and publishers and music suppliers with that as well. Fantastic. And thinking about the growth, it sounds as though there's quite a bit of white space in it's an industry, as you described from your personal experience, right for disruption. When we think about your future growth profile, is it more about global expansion or is there enough space doing exactly what you do? How do you see your pathway? So I think it's partly global expansion, and but it's also maturing of products. Some of our products are quite, quite young. Mm. And to have a plan or product roadmap takes some time to fold and so we're so excited about products that are coming up tool in mm. different tool functionality and, and new things that we're introducing but also new platforms to for new to customer types who, who we haven't served with technology before so it, there is so much to do in the industry the key mm. is sort of focusing in on the things that matter um, there are so many problems in the music industry in terms of data to solve so there, there the opportunity it's opportunity abound in, in mm. the industry it's, uh, it'd be very hard to go and compete with Spotify and create a new consumer competitor to that. I, I think it would be virtually impossible given their scale and Apple's <laughs> scale in terms of that market. But the B2B space really is it mm. really is open territory. And one last question. So yeah, your M&A strategy and what you think is your outlook on that side in organic growth? We've been quite active from an M&A point of view, especially this year and well over the last year, really. Transactions have closed this year. We see m and to, it solves, well, it helps solve two, uh, two issues, I guess. Acceleration of customer growth and where there is an opportunity to buy a technology that would just be much quicker to acquire than to build. And so with this year, we've bought mm. two technology businesses that we would never have built, but are so complementary to our ecosystem. And they just plug in from a data perspective, mm. from a rights management perspective, those two acquisitions is one was called TuneFind. TuneFind is a data company and mm -hmm. it has the entire history of, well, almost entire history of music used in TV and film and to a lesser degree gaming. And so that, that information is so valuable to us because it's an imprint of music taste in film and TV. And so when our, one of our goals is to build the ultimate music B2B search and the searching and discovering music for a B2B mm. customer is very different to a consumer. It really has to be married to the brief or to the project that you're looking for music for. And so that kind of data is very valuable. The community that uses TuneFind is very valuable as well. It's, it's all of the music supervisors who work in film and TV. So it was a great, a great connection. So those sort of opportunities, we, we would always have an appetite for those. Going back to the fragmented state of the industry that Vertigo, there is that opportunity mm. in the industry. The other area is uh, the music for brand space has been quite fragmented. It's very boutique. And so we have made several acquisitions in that space that allows us to very quickly have major blue chip customers that we can then extend their product offering to introduce our tech enabled offering. So we tech enable those relationships very quickly and provide a much uh, more robust offering in the process by you know, really combining creative excellence, which is the older the skill that, that, that's in demand with data informed decisions. So we really like the marriage of those two. 
So that's been partly our M&A strategy as well. So we anticipate we'll continue to do that. We're very focused on organic growth as well. Mm-hmm. And so, you know, most of our resources in terms of, you know, we've been scaling our team very quickly, especially in tech product and development. And uh, so we're very focused on organic growth. We like accelerating organic growth with, uh, with acquisition as well. Fantastic. Well, thank you once again for your time, Paul Wiltshire. We've only just touched the surface as to the Song Trader business, and I'm sure we'll circle around, hopefully with a better connection in a couple of months. Great. Well, thank you for having me, Elise. That was a pleasure. Thank you.